right, everybody, welcome to episode 83 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Bill at Super Duper Flex. Bill, how you doing today? Man, it was a long, hot day uh, here in Detroit, so um, just uh, kind of cooling off now, finally, and excited for the evening. How are you doing? Listen, Bill, don't don't brag about your your after work activities. All right. This is a fantasy football show only. We don't we don't want to talk about that stuff. That's oh, for, that's for the, yeah. the after hours Patreon content. That's, oh, yeah. uh, that's what we leave that for. But uh, if you're watching us, you see the two of us and then you see a very attractive man. Uh, Mr. Mr. Mustache. He is petting it right now. I think is glorious and in full bloom. We got Matt Donnelly at Matt Donnelly FF. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I thought you guys were bringing me on here for some like dingus daddy divulgence kind of stuff here. Uh, you talk about Bill running around after work, and here I got like my 12 kids. It's like the Canadian Philip Rivers kind of thing going on here. So trying to get everyone going, getting the supper going, meetings, this and that. This is my relaxing time. Glad to be here. Looking forward to the show tonight. All we, all you need is a bolo tie, and you would really be the Canadian Philip Rivers. So, may, maybe we'll send one your way, and you can just on the next appearance pop it up and, and get going, man. You know what? I, I wish uh, send one. I, I love my bolo ties. I'm a big bolo tie guy. I love it. It's classy. Yet it's kind of cool. It's like it says, "I'm here to party," but I like to be classy at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So I enjoy it. Throw it with my cowboy hat. We're good to go. I think that describes you perfectly. Like to party, but classy at the same time. So let's let's get this party started with uh, the news. So we'll we'll hit the uh, first things first. Gus Edwards, uh, two years, ten million dollars. Uh, that man got paid. He deserves it. Now, you know, we do everything based off of Twitter and what's going on on Twitter and. Two camps. We got the J.K. Dobbins R.I.P. R.I.P. camp, and then we got the uh, "Don't worry about it." J.K. Dobbins is going to be just fine. So we'll uh, we'll start with our guest, Matt. What do you think about J.K. Dobbins? Does this hurt him or help him? I mean, if you were thinking he's going to go through the ceiling, it's going to hurt him. I think if you expect similar to what he was doing last year. It's you're going to be right on par. You got you still got Lamar Jackson there, no matter how you slice it. So if you're looking for limitations on J.K. Dobbins, it's not so much Gus Edwards that puts those limitations on. It's Lamar Jackson's running ability that's going to do that. Uh, a lot of people kind of knock Lamar Jackson not being a quarterback, but he's only a couple of years away from that 36 passing season that he had for touchdowns. So he's going to throw the ball. He's going to run the ball. We watched him add some weapons here in the draft this year in uh, Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace, who I think are going to be probably the best weapons they've had in a while at wide receiver. They got Sammy Watkins. The answer there is never Sammy Watkins. But let's talk about my boy, Gus Edwards. This is my guy. This is a guy I've been tooting his horn uh, since coming out. I believe it was Rutgers. He was coming out of there. I was comparing numbers of uh, yards after contact, and he was right there with Saquon Barkley coming out of the draft class. I love Gus Edwards. You look at J.K. Dobbins' numbers compared to Gus Edwards' numbers, both were very successful in the limited touches they had in their careers. I think, don't quote me on this because on the Dynasty Vipers, we don't fact check very often, but their yards per touch, yards per carry was very close. And 
Yeah, I, I see that coming the same way. I don't think they're, you're going to see that bell cow back, but I think you're going to see a very – between the two of them, they're both going to easily outperform your expectations of what you see with a, a shared backfield is the best way to put it. Now, J.K. Dobbins, on one hand, has a higher ADP that I'm probably not comfortable going after, where Gus Edwards has that lower ADP, which I think is almost too low for what production he's going to come with. I love me some Gus. So we got Matt on the Gus bus. Bill, what about you? Good, bad, or indifferent? I mean, I'm kind of indifferent just for the fact that I expected him to sign with them, you know, a little bit longer term because he fits their offense so well. Um, I think that, you know, the expectations for anybody, this happens every year, right? Like people think that a running back is just going to get every touch and that's just not how football works. So like, would you rather it be Gus Edwards who, yes, he's, he's a great running back, but he's not going to be a guy who catches a ton of passes. So at least he's not going to be, you know, the same role as JK Dobbins. So if I, I don't really get the the freaking out about the effect of J.K. Dobbins so much. I think that, um, you know, he's the kind of running back uh, that I would want to compliment Dobbins if I had a choice. Like, I'd rather that than, like, uh, Jamal Williams with Swift because Williams is a good receiver, you know. So there's just that more of a chance for him to eat away at some of his fantasy points. And so I think it's a, it's a great compliment, and I – you know, I mean, yeah, of course, if your expectations were out of whack, I think this is disappointing. But um, and I do agree with Matt that, um, you know, Gus is the old player His based on his price is somebody that I wouldn't mind adding to my rosters. For sure. And, you know, it's so funny because every time I see one of these si- signings, I put it in the uh FTC, the fantasy timeline chat. And by the way, if you want to be a part of that, a lot of good people in it, just hit up Bill, myself, or hit us up on at fantasy timeline and just say you want to be in it. We'll throw you right in. I I always, you know, put the tweet in there and then I'll always put RIP to whoever it affects. And not because I really believe that, but that's because I know what that, what what I'm going to see on Twitter. And I knew as soon as it came, JK Dobbins is done. He's, you know, he's toast, you know. And the thing is, is that what changes besides the fact that there's going to be two more years of of Gus Edwards? Gus Edwards was going to be there this year. So we knew what that backfield was going to be. There was no surprise here. They didn't, you know, you know, they didn't trade for a guy. They didn't draft a guy high. It's Gus Edwards. It's the same guy that was there last year. Same guy we knew was going to be there this year. So I don't see it as much, much of a change. And bonus if jk dobbins gets hurt we know gus edwards can go he he can take that and he can run with it literally so um yeah. i like it yeah gus edwards has proved that he can be a bell cow back when given the opportunity we've seen that time and time again and further to the jk dobbins we're watching a lot of these running backs get that second contract and then the wheels fall off more often than not todd Gurley's a great example of recent memory well, if you're sharing that backfield, you're saving a little bit of that tread on the tires. As long as you're productive with those touches, you're going to be able to sustain that career, get that second contract, maybe even get a third contract. You look at what Baltimore did last year. They had 11, like in the top 11 in yards per carry, 
Jackson was 6.4, I think, and Dobbins came in at like 5.8. Gus Edwards had five yards per carry. This is a run-heavy team. So if you can save a little bit on J.K. Dobbins, get that maximum there, mix in some Gus Edwards, I think it's going to help everyone long-term. Maybe not for your fantasy team immediately, but long-term, this is a great move for the Baltimore Ravens. Agree. And I think Gus Edwards is that guy that can be, you know, a bi-week flex play. Maybe if you know the Ravens are playing a poor run defense, you can throw him in the lineup as well. So he's he's definitely not a uh, a roster clogger by any means. He's a guy that you're going to be happy you have on his team, uh, have on your team, excuse me. So we're going to we're going to move now to the main event in the news obviously, which is Julio traded to the Titans. And obviously, you know, if we thought Gus Edwards set things off, you know, Julio Jones, you know, everybody was predicting that every player involved was going to go up and then every player involved was going to go down. Uh, I'll throw out my, my quick opinions and, you know, by all the Titans, you know, I think everyone is going to uh, be a little bit better because of this. I mean, obviously when you have a threat like Julio on the field, teamed up with A.J. Brown, plus you still have King Henry in the backfield. I mean, I think everyone is going to have a good time. And then for Atlanta, I mean, we, we've seen the splits. I mean, if you haven't, just go on Twitter. We've seen the splits when Julio wasn't on the field and what, what Calvin Ridley did, and he blew up. He was a number one guy. I believe he's going to do that again. And, you know, we'll see, you know, Kyle Pitts is probably going to go up now because there's going to be more – more targets going his way. I mean, the rest of the guys are the rest of the guys, you know, you could take them or leave them, but that's my, my quick uh, synopsis on it. Bill, what about you? Anything, anything you see, anything you like? Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree. I think like the biggest thing is that with the trade for Julio that I, I feel like the Titans are planning to pass the ball a little more than they did uh, in previous years, but that's okay. If you have Henry, it's just going to, open things up a little bit more. Um, it's, you know, they can't have seven, eight guys in the box. So um, that's that's a huge benefit just for the, the whole offense. I think that they'll just be that much more efficient overall. Um, yeah, Atlanta, um, I, we, we talked about this a bit on Monday with Trade Addicts. Like, I think that uh, Hayden Hurst is one of the guys that's just kind of falling by the wayside that nobody's paying attention to. And he might be the guy based on his price that I'm willing to take a chance on in a tight end premium league, just because, you know, we still don't know how Pitts is going to get used. Is he going to be moved outside? You know, like a lot of people were saying he's like Calvin Johnson. Well, you know, maybe they're going to have him outside more and Hayden Hurst is still going to be your traditional tight end. So um, he's a guy that I'm kind of interested in with this trade. I mean, PFF came out, said like, you know, uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Who uh, is Huh? Who are you talking about? Who's the main wide receiver? Oh, Ridley. Calvin Ridley oh. is, uh, um, you know, they think he's going to get close to 1,600 yards now. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty sizable, you know. And, I mean, I don't know if I'm that confident to spend big bucks on him for my rosters because um, I think the price is going to be too high for, you know, what you know what the upside is for the price you have to pay so so i'd much rather just kind of take some uh chances on some of the less expensive guys on that offense 
What about you, Matt? What do you think about this? I know you hear a lot of people saying, you know what, A.J. Brown down, Julio down, Tannehill up. Here, here's how I'm looking at it. If you look at it straight up, I think Henry could run for 3,000 yards this year. That may be an exaggeration, but like Bill said, he's not facing those boxes. You're going to be respectful. Uh, look at the yards per catch last year. Ridley and uh, Ridley had a 15.3 yards per catch, Julio 15.1. A.J. Brown, 15.2. Corey Davis, 15.1. I don't see that changing all that much. It seems like Corey Davis, let's be honest, had a pretty good season last year. A little bit. A lot of us were probably not expecting what he was going to be able to do. But at the same point, there's no reason to believe that you can't have A.J. Brown be a top five wide receiver this year and Julio as a high-end wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver one, depending on how that's going to break down. I think Tannehill showed how efficient he can be in the passing game because teams are not going to know how to defend this Tennessee Titans offense. Now, on the flip side to Atlanta, I don't think this changes their team at all as far as the dynamic goes because I think, and I may be anointing Kyle Pitts like everyone else right now, but I think with Kyle Pitts, you've essentially got a young Julio Jones type player, not Julio Jones, but a Julio Jones type player. So I think he's going to see, uh, let's call it 75% of what Julio's uh, predictive production would have been. I think you're going to see a little bit of an uptick in Calvin Ridley because let's be honest, Atlanta is going to need to throw to keep themselves in the games where Tennessee's probably not going to have to worry about coming from behind and getting into shootouts like that. But Atlanta is going to have to. Plus, let's not forget us. Atlanta's playing in a very tough division in which uh, Tampa Bay has a stout defense. Carolina's defense is one of the defenses on the rise. And, and New Orleans had a very solid defense last year too. Marshawn Lattimore just restructured his contract. He's going to stick around if the other stuff off the field gets all sorted out. Now you flip over to the AFC South. Uh, Indianapolis has a pretty good defense, but then you're looking at Jacksonville and Houston Man, you're going to be eating four times a uh, four times a year minimum against uh, the Jags and the uh, Texans here. So, I think you could see Julio put up better numbers than what he had last year if he can stay healthy. Is going to be the key. Yeah, I mean that that's going to be a fun offense to watch. Now that you know, and I I even like and not not so much for fantasy, more for the for the real life Titans team. Josh Reynolds kind of always uh, thrived when he was in that number three role behind Woods and Cup, but, you know, he, he wasn't featured as much. If they kind of feature him a little bit more, he's going to be kind of a guy, not so much for, for fantasy, but for real football that you're going to watch and be like, oh, yeah, that guy is, uh, is pretty good. So it's going to be a fun offense to watch. But now we, we knocked out the news. We are going to hit up what we saw on the timeline. Uh, got some good stuff this week, kind of all over the place. So it's going to be be fun to get uh, thoughts and opinions here. So this first one is from Michael Ward Inman at Might Be Trouble FF. I'm planning my flag on Ramondre Stevenson tonight, the big back in New England this year. Now he puts down he puts down some height weights. Sony's 5'11, 215. Harris is 5'11, 213. And then Stevenson, 6'246. He says he'll have 10 touchdowns and 800 plus yards 
seizing the early down role in the 2021 season. Roster him now while there's little at stake. So, so this is kind of an interesting one because Stevenson seemed to get some buzz this week. And I know the, the running backs coach in New England said something like uh, he reminds him of LeGarrett Blunt. The year that LeGarrette Blunt had what twenty touchdowns or something like that, he had like that insane year. So, what do you guys think about Stevenson? Is is he the back to own in New England? Is he going to have this big rookie breakout, or is it more just you know off season talking a player up because you drafted him? I'll go here, and I like Ramondre Stevenson. I think he's going to be effective. I do see a LeGarrette Blunt light type role for him. I don't think 10 touchdowns is exaggerating here. I think maybe 800 might be a little too high on the yardage. I think they're, they've drafted Damian Harris for a reason. Damian Harris is still the back to own in New England. By the way, if you're counting on any New England backs to begin with, you should know better. This is this is 10, 15 years in the goal. We haven't had a dominant New England back since, I don't know, A.J. Dillon. I'm just throwing that out there. So, um, And that was only a temporary thing when he was there. But in all seriousness, Ramon Stevenson, he has that LeGarrette blood. I believe when I hear that hype. I really do. And here, here's the little swerve I'm going to throw on you. I don't think Sony Michelle survives camp. I think he's going to, again, end up getting cut. And here's, here's where I'm going to go crazy. I think he ends up in Miami when it's all said and done, going back with Flores. Because it's going to be a good fit. Miami has a need. You know, they got Gaskin there. They got uh, Jared Dokes, who I'm very high on. I think Sony Michelle could be a cut come camp. Because we're talking James White. We're talking Stevenson. We're talking Harris. They're going to run Harris. They believe in Harris. They got Stevenson there as a short yardage kind of guy. Sony Michelle, I think, is going to be the odd back out, which could lead him back to Flores in South Beach. I like that. What about you, Bill? Yeah, I'm kind of like very similar to Matt in this. Like I, I do, I think that, you know, he definitely has a specific role with New England. And I think that's all you can really bank on, right? Because some of the times like we never knew like who they were going to play in a, any particular game because it's based on matchups. But, but that specific role, I think, is, you know, something that's not going to be game specific, right? Like he's always going to have the goal line opportunities and he's actually a decent pass catcher. So like that's something that maybe Blunt didn't really have, so that's a positive. So yeah, I agree. The touchdowns are, you know, there is the potential to hit that double digits. Um, but I also agree that I could see him getting nine, ten touchdowns and 400, 500 yards, and it's just a matter of just where he's getting used in, you know, on the field. So um, he he's a guy that I've been drafting a lot in the like the late second of rookie drafts. So like I'm. I'm totally buying in on him with the hopes that he does fall into that situation. Um, you know, cause what else are you really getting at that point? Uh, if you want a running back. So um, he, he's a guy that like, I think I agree. Like I would go out and look for if there's somebody I wanted to, add, you know, if I wanted to add depth at the running back position. Yeah. So, so Ramon Dre's interesting for me because like Matt, I can see a uh, LeGarrette Blunt-esque season for him where he is that goal line guy and he does get a bunch of touchdowns. But, and here's where my butt comes in. It all depends on how, I personally, in my opinion, I believe it all depends on how long Cam Newton survives 
as a starting quarterback in New England because we saw it last year. And yes, they did not have Ramondre Stevenson last year. So obviously, you know, things change. But Cam Newton was the goal line back in New England. And I do believe, just kind of knowing how Bill Belichick does what he does, he likes to rely on the guys that have done it before more than he likes to rely on rookies, if he can avoid it. So obviously, if you think, you know, some people think Cam Newton is going to be there for, you know, 10 games, 12 games, whatever, and then maybe Mac Jones comes in. But if you're kind of in the camp that maybe Cam Newton survives a month and then it's Mac Jones, I can see in that situation, then Ramondre gets himself 10 touchdowns. I agree on the yardage. I think the yardage will be lower. I think it'll be in that like five to 600 yard range. Um, but if Cam is out early as the starter, I think Ramondre can load up on some touchdowns. So Mike, I hope that, uh, I hope that you, uh, you like what we said. And if you didn't, I'm sorry, but that's, uh, that's what we believe. So this next one here is from Halal at HJC Hami. I don't know if I said that right, but Calvin Ridley, and we just talked about him a little bit ago, but we're going to go, we're going to deep dive now. The next Juju Smith-Schuster. And I, I, this made some rounds because I saw a lot of other people that I follow talking about this and statting this and this is how I, I've taken it. And he mentioned in his tweet that, that, you know, that's not how we meant it, but I don't know about that. Um, pretty much saying, hey, you know, Antonio Brown left and then Juju went from, kind of from superhuman to regular old Clark Kent and thinking that Calvin Ridley will follow the same path. So I'm, I'm going to give a very brief, breakdown of this and then I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the two smart guys on here uh talk a little bit more about it. That's not gonna happen. It's it's it, listen, we've seen Calvin Ridley without Julio and we've seen him ball out. And as Matt said, some dude named Kyle Pitts is there now. And guess what? There's been argument about whether the hype is warranted or not, but listen. He's going, to, he's going to get targets. He's going to make sure that defenses just can't clamp on Calvin Ridley because if they do, Kyle Pitts is going to eat him up. So we've seen it already without Julio from Calvin Ridley. So I can't believe that now all of a sudden Calvin Ridley is going to forget how to play football now that Julio's out of town and turn into a regular old guy. But, uh, Bill, why, why don't you start us off on this one? The, is there any reason to make this comparison? So I was just like, I have not read any of these tweets. So like, this is like fantastic. Cause my, I'm just trying to process the whole thing. Like, okay, how are the two alike? Okay. They're both wide receivers. That's, I got that. Um, one was an old rookie. One was a young rookie. Um, one was known for his route running. One was not. Um, so they're, they're, to me, they're very much different players. And yes, I agree. Like, I mean, he's, he's shown that he can play without Julio and that that's a huge plus. And, and so right when I read this, I was just like, Hmm, I think you're reaching for something that I can't see. Um, 
And I don't know how many people agreed with his comment. I'm not sure, you know, anything like that. But I have a hard time believing that there's a lot of people that are, are buying into that. Um, I just I just can't see how you compare the two players. And I mean, there were legit concerns with Juju, you know. Plus, he was a, what like a late second round pick or something like that. It's not like he was like a first round pick where everybody had all this belief in him already. So he just fell into a great situation on an offense with a quarterback who was Hall of Fame quarterback that you know was still you know still had an arm and and I don't know if Juju like it, it's weird because Juju didn't sign with like other another team, so we're still not going to know if his deficiencies are because of Pittsburgh or if they're because of him, but um, just that comment alone, like I, there's just not a lot I can buy into the comment and yeah, I don't think it's very accurate, I guess. All right, Matt, what's your thoughts on this one? I love Hillel. He gets conversation going all the time. I remember him going into Brandon Cook's season. He threw that out there a while ago. I remember him in my SFB Nine, maybe ten. No, I think it was number nine. He took Dalvin Cook's one hundred and one that year. He, when he has it in his head, he's a firm believer in what he goes with, and he stands by that. I love the process that he thinks through this whole thing. Now, can we kind of say that we don't think that Calvin Ridley is going to be that guy? Absolutely, we can. But here's the thing: where I'm going to try to play the devil's advocate because it seems very easy to take the Calvin Ridley side on this. Have we seen Calvin? We've seen Calvin Ridley without Julio Jones, but have we seen Calvin Ridley? when teams are not preparing to play Julio Jones as much. So Julio Jones, when he's out, he's always, and I know this is the most frustrating thing on all our rosters, is Julio going to play? Is Julio not going to play? Is he a game-time decision? Is he not? He's never been, like, ruled out for three weeks straight. So teams kind of have that, okay, we have to kind of game plan for Julio a little bit, but we have a pretty good idea he's not going to play. Well, when you are the man – not just acting man or intern being the man. When you are the man and teams know it's got to go through you to, for that team to have success, can you step up to that? We believe that Ridley can. It, all early indications with the splits are that he can. But now he's getting that first real opportunity. Where is he going? What can he do with it? The pressure's now on Calvin Ridley to succeed. I have no doubt in my mind that he does succeed, but I, I can see where Hillel's coming with these comments because we were sitting here not too long ago being, you know what? Juju is a solid wide receiver. He's going to have success once Antonio Brown's gone. They've come in and they've supported Juju in Pittsburgh with the likes of Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, but we've never seen uh, Juju come back from that. We've never seen that hype come back from Juju. Now we flip over to Calvin Ridley. Now Julio is gone. They've surrounded him with Kyle Pitts. We believe Kyle Pitts is a good supporting cast for him, another alpha-type receiver in that room. But is Ridley going to step up to that challenge, that extra pressure that comes with being the guy? That's going to be the interesting part here. And if, if Hillel's right and he does become the next Juju, we all look kind of silly here for kind of taking shots at it and taking that low-hanging fruit, but I definitely see where his process was coming, and I know that Hillel believes in his mind that, you know what, we could see a regression in Calvin Ridley. I think where he's coming with this comment more than anything is everyone's like, 
and A.J. Brown before Julio coming, 200 targets, 200 targets. And we're kind of going 200 targets, Calvin Ridley. Now 200 targets for Calvin Ridley. Pump those brakes a little bit because there's he's going to see bracket coverage now. He's going to have to defend it. Those 200 targets may not happen now. Will he succeed with the targets that he gets? Yes, but we know that targets and those receptions, especially PPR, are huge. Touchdowns, things kind of close up a little bit more in the red zone. Does Kyle Pitts take that, being that tight end, that mismatch? Are we going to see a little regression in the touchdowns from Calvin Ridley? That's the kind of stuff I think we're not talking nearly enough about. Yep, I agree. And I think that also you you are going to see where um, maybe he's not nearly as efficient as he was previously. So he is going to need those extra targets to, you know, maybe put up the similar numbers as he did last year. Um, just because of what, what Matt's talking about, you know, the and Halal's talking about, you know, where it's the the defenses are going to be, you know, focusing on him more and all of that. So, yeah, like I can totally see that. And, I mean, I think it's legit. Like I think anytime anybody, you know, the whole Twitter sphere is going crazy about something, including Kyle Pitts, you know, people need to like throw uh, the brakes onto, you know, to talk about it at least so that people's expectations don't get ridiculously out of whack. I mean, even though <laughs> I could argue that maybe Pitts is already getting completely out of whack at this point, but um, that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, and, and I brought, so, you know, I brought this up because, you know, th- this, you know, is in no way trying to, trying to slam Hala cause he's a smart dude. He's always, you know, he's like Matt said, he's always bringing up that conversation, whether you want to listen to it or not, that's up to you. But um, he's a smart dude. So if he if he says something and he doesn't just say stuff for shock value either, he says stuff because, you know, he and you know what? That's what that's the the beautiful thing about fantasy is like, guess what? We're not all going to have the same views on every single player. There are going to be guys that I like that Bill doesn't like, guys that I like that Matt doesn't like, and vice versa all the way around. And that's what makes trades fun because guess what? If Halal's in a league and I'm in a league, he's got Calvin Ridley. Guess what? He's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, pay up for Calvin Ridley if you want to because he's not a guy that I'm high on. So I'll take, you know, whatever the trade ends up being. I'd rather have that than Calvin Ridley. And obviously, I on the other side of the I just got Calvin Ridley. I'm excited. So, that that's what makes the whole game fun is because uh you know we have to have people who who think differently you know and listen i i've learned in dynasty there have been a lot of things that we said there's no chance of this happening and then we sit back and we watch it happen so uh you can never say never i may disagree with it but you know it's it's fun to have that conversation and it's fun to see what the other side is thinking because at the end of the day, it just makes all of us, you know, a little bit smarter, gives us all a little bit of, uh, of information. So the thing is like as fantasy analysts, we are a very picky type breed too. You know what I mean? We don't like to be challenged for the most part. We like our opinions to be right at all times. We get a little offensive when someone calls us out on it, but you know what? When I see a comment like this from Halal, a guy I respect in the industry, throw it out there and I know how his process works. It lets me 
check my process. Where what am I missing out on this? It's just like what I do with my uh, scouting and my for rookies coming into the cl- uh, from the college to the NFL. If I'm high on a guy and someone else is incredibly low or vice versa, I'm like, okay, man, why am I? Why is this running back six running backs ahead of this guy? Maybe now I need to go reevaluate my process. Maybe I missed something in this whole thing. I think that's where, as analysts, we kind of have to. And as fantasy football players, you know, if you're listening to this show and all of a sudden you see Bill has uh, Calvin Ridley as his wide receiver one, I've seen that kind of get thrown out there on Twitter yep. too. We talk about this Twitter all the timeline, but yet Matt has him. I've currently got him as my wide receiver. I don't know ten. Nine spots is not that big a deal, but it's enough to cause a bit of an uproar. I think Dave Kluge even threw it out there earlier today. We talked about the timeline here. He's like, yeah, someone's arguing my wide receiver third, my wide yes. receiver left, their wide receiver 14. Why are we arguing over four spots? <laughs> it's not about where you rank a player. It's really not. Get over yourselves, people. It's about the process. And just because one process says leads you down one way, one process leads you down the other, this is like going back to the film versus analytics thing. You know what I mean? You can have both can be put into play. You can have film and you can have analytics and you put them together and be happy. Just because I don't agree, like Josh, you're just saying, I may not agree with this take, but you know what? I'm going to look back and see what his process is. And maybe I missed out something. Maybe, maybe uh, as. I got him as wide receiver one. Maybe if I reevaluate this, oh, you know what? Maybe wide receiver five makes a little bit more sense. I can see where Hillel's coming from. I'm going to bring him back a couple spots. It doesn't mean that I'm wrong. I'm still high on him, but it means I'm evolving and using what God gave me as a brain here and using everything around me, my environment, to make a more educated prediction. That's what fantasy analysis is. It's prediction. There is no blueprint for right or wrong. It's like Major League Baseball. If you hit 400, you're going to the Hall of Fame. If you hit 400 in fantasy football, you might be being considered a pretty good analyst. Yep. And and even to take it a step further, past analysts, just playing this game. Listen, you don't, you don't need to have a podcast. You don't need to write articles. You don't need to do rankings, any of that stuff. But look around. You're high on somebody. We're talking about Calvin Ridley here. So you're, you're one of those people, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver one in Dynasty. Okay, cool. Like, there's a lot of reasons why you can argue that point, and they're probably all right. But read some articles about why things might taper off a little bit for Calvin Ridley. Bring that information in, like Matt said, with analysts to to broaden your knowledge base and to maybe make some adjustments that you didn't think about making beforehand. But as a player, maybe you're like, man, you know, I, you know, I really had, you know, I really think he was going to get, you know, 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. But now, you know, realizing what Julio did to defenses and Kyle Pitts is just a rookie, he's not going to be able to do the same things right away. That maybe you go, all right, maybe I need to, to taper this back to like 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns, which is still a pretty good season. But all of a sudden, like Matt said, maybe you're dropping from one to five or one to seven. And by the way, when you're in that top 10, top 12 range at a position, you're just talking about studs. You're talking about your Tyreek Hills. You're talking about your Devontae Adams. You're not, you're not talking about, you know, scrubs. You're talking about guys that probably all of them can be argued for wide receiver one. If you want to deep dive into the stats and the facts and all that. And it's not wrong to listen to what Halal says. 
consider what he's saying and what his point is and saying, I've already considered that and I still have him as my wide receiver one. Yep. Like the, the biggest thing is just consider all the information and the different thought processes and, and what Josh waits as this is important. I am going to drop it, but maybe that's not the same for me. Maybe, you know, so it, it's totally, you know, there's no right or wrong. No, and we don't know, like, let's be honest, right? Like none of us have a clue. And like, that's why like, oftentimes like the way I play is I have players in tiers. So if I have a tier of eight players, any of those guys could be one through eight. And in that tier, at least in my thought process. So, um, you know, those kind of things, there's a little bit of margin of error in that regard. And that's why I'm not going to argue somebody's wide receiver. Let's say it's wide receiver five to 13. You know, if you have a guy at 13 and I have a guy at five, that still doesn't mean anything because in my tiers, they could end up being flipped. So um, it's just a whole, you know, it's it's just a different ways, but it it never hurts you to consider different thought and it will help you. So um, that's the biggest thing. I think that maybe this whole world needs is where people are a little more open-minded to other people's thoughts. And, um, I'll get off the soapbox in regards to life, but in fantasy football, it's important to consider all the different possibilities and the range of outcomes. Bill, you're stupid. I'm not listening to any of your ideas. I can't um, blame you. <laughs> but but you're right, and you bring you bring up a good point. And I just want to throw this out here as uh, you know, maybe a little learning lesson, especially if you're new to fantasy, whether it's dynasty redraft or whatever. Bill brings up a good point. Rankings are fine. You know, hey, I got this guy number one. I got this guy number 10. But tiers is really where it's at. Because let's face it, we can all say that, you know, I have Calvin Ridley as wide receiver five. Well, guess what? He could, he could easily end up wide receiver one. He could easily wind up wide receiver nine or 10 or 11. They're like, when you have guys in tiers, like Bill said, you're, you're, recognizing that, hey, I have the top 10 guys in a tier. All right. So I think the 10th guy in that tier has a chance to be the wide receiver one. And the guy who I have at one can be wide receiver 10. Uh, we got we got a question from the from the chat here. Uh, why is Matt's mustache so magical? Matt, we're going to let you answer the question. Why is it so magical? Well, it comes from the clippings of a unicorn that was running across a rainbow. Um, the back end, uh, we've redyed it. It, came, it was ra- originally rainbow colored, mm-hmm. but I just kind of slapped it on there. And uh, if you look real close, if you if you can imagine it being purple again, it's actually one of the characters off of Monsters University, the purple guy. So that's mm-hmm. where the majest- majestic stash comes from. So what I heard there is that he cut some hair off of Kyle Pitts and put it right on his face. That's what I heard because I heard a unicorn on a rainbow. So since we were talking about him, I figured we'd bring it full circle. But let's go to the next one here from Fantasy Football Clinic at Clinic Fantasy. What's the number one thing you're doing differently to make sure you bring home fantasy titles this year? I don't know if Bill can do anything differently. He that man just wins titles wherever he goes. He just walks into a league, wins titles. He takes over orphans, wins titles. So I don't know if Bill is going to do anything differently this year. 
But Matt, is there something that you are, you say, hey man, I didn't do this last year. I should have, and I'm doing it this year to, to make myself better. Yeah, I would have bring Bill in as a contractor for my team, apparently. Yeah, I would. That seems to be the smartest play I could possibly think of. Just give him, give him my login to MFL. Go, Bill, do what you got to do. Make some trades. Do what you got to do. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's not necessarily a bad idea. I, I'm a firm believer in work and in fantasy to get that fresh eyes approach. We fall in love with our guys. We hold on to players longer than we probably actually should because, A, we have a higher perceived value of player X than what someone else has of that same player. That said, that's the one thing I know on a personal level I need to get over, especially in Dynasty, before I get caught holding the bag with too many aging assets. I want to move on. You know, we talked about it there, uh, Jay Waltner and I, uh, talk about contracts. He's a big contract guy. Getting out of those running backs on year four. Make that trade. Trade him two years earlier than two years late, right? If you would have traded Todd Gurley uh, before his uh, contract was renewed there at the Los Angeles Rams, and you would have traded him, you would have got a boatload of a return. And now you can't get nothing because you hold held on to him. Because you're like, you know what? I'm going for the ship here. I want to win this. Instead, you probably could have got two younger players, maybe even a Nick Chubb for him at one point. That brings to mind, now we got Nick Chubb coming up. We've got Saquon Parkley just got his big contract, but get out of these big studs early. Try and get out too early than too late. Yeah, maybe when you make the deal, it doesn't look so good at the beginning, but this is dynasty for the most part, and you want to make sure, you know what, let's get ahead of the curve here. Let me continue. It's called reloading, not rebuilding, reloading. Yeah, and... Matt, you bring up a really good point, and uh, I, I want to plug another DAP show. The the Dynasty junkies kind of do this with their Find Me a Trade segment where people will, you know, say, hey, this is my team. This is the league I'm in. You know, help find me a trade. And sometimes they'll even give information like, hey, I'm rebuilding. You know, I wasn't that good last year. Or, hey, I, you know, I made it to the finals and didn't didn't quite do it and I want to you know get over the top and Rocky will solicit you know a bunch of different analysts you know like you know sometimes he'll he'll come to us and say hey can you guys find a trade for these for this team in this league or whatever but that's kind of a good thing to do because sometimes you know we come up with trades and, you know, people get back to Rocky and go, man, I, I would have never even thought about putting that trade together. And it's fun when Rocky will Rocky will show us the acceptance of a trade that one of us came up with. And they're like, oh, the trade went through. And, you know, they're excited because, you know, they got players that maybe they thought they didn't have a chance of getting because, like you said, you kind of look at your team and you go, do I want to trade, you know, even picks like now, you know, 2021 is over. Now we're looking at 2022 picks and it's like, uh, do I want to trade two picks for this, you know, higher caliber player right now? Like what happens if, you know, and it's just like, sometimes another guy is just like, this isn't my team. <laughs> do this trade. I think it's going to work out well for you. And I think it's going to improve your team. So I just want to plug the junkies a little bit. Cause that find me a trade segment is kind of along those lines and kind of, helps get some fresh eyes on your team sometimes because 
once you look at your roster a hundred or a thousand times, you're like, I think this is just what my roster is. And sometimes that's not what it is. It can, it can improve. It can get better. What about you, Bill? What do you, what's your number one thing? Um, I, you know, this is a tough one. I, I think like there's certain things, like I try to reevaluate players that I am low on and kind of figure out, you know, why is that? Is, is their situation still making me, uh, low on them or is this just a bias from before? So, like one of the great examples for me was um, Chris Carson. Like I think that like every year he's so undervalued and it's like because everybody was always concerned that he was going to get replaced. Well, now like he's at the point where, okay, the, the risk isn't there anymore, right? Like it's like he's at the age where there's no expectations like where like, okay, he might be the starter for one or two more years. So the price is at that point. So like he's a guy that I'm really looking to add this offseason just because I think that, you know, if it's a team that's maybe trying to get younger and that sort of thing, like those are the kind of players I'm looking to add right now. The guys who have already like what Matt was talking about, we're selling these guys before the their price tanks. Well, you can also go in after like that age cliff kind of thing where the price has already dropped, but you're still getting service serviceable years and acquire those players. So yeah, again, reloading, getting players on the cheap that can still get you points. And then when they die on your roster, it's not the end of the world because you haven't paid a lot. So um, I always seem to like err on the young end for my rosters. So I'm trying to add some of these guys who have kind of already had that value drop, but can still perform onto my roster. So um, it's not as big of a... Um, drop in performance of my teams when I decide to, uh, you know, maybe move some of my studs. And I love that. And I think a prime example of that is what I see a lot of people on Twitter doing with Zeke Elliott right now. I mean, we're, we're like, oh, he's like 25 now. And this is when, you know, the age cliff comes and swallows people up and it's like, all right, but he's still pretty good. So why don't I, you know, why don't I take him if the value is a little bit lower? Maybe I only get one more RB1 season out of him, but maybe that's what it takes to win a championship. So I love, I love that. And I think mine is to not to try to get swept up in the, in the, the Twitter waves, as I'll call them. Uh, and we were talking about it earlier, you know, people were talking about, you know, Julio, the Julio trade, who's up, who's down. And usually I stay away from that. But there were a couple times last year that I, I initially stayed away from it. But then kind of like a river, it kind of ended up sweeping me up in it <laughs> at some point. And the funny thing is, sometimes you don't even know you've been swept up in it until you're too late. And, and this year, I'm trying to stay back even further from the uh, from the edge of the river there. So that uh, if it overflows, I won't uh, I won't get swept in. So to try to even stay more away from the the highs and the lows, because like like we always say on this show, uh, people think that dynasty players are the the most patient because they're trying to build actual dynasties, and we're probably the most reactive group of fantasy players that are out there. Because as soon as one thing happens, we're we're trying to sell a guy, we're trying to buy a guy, and we don't let things kind of sit and marinate and 
come to fruition. So I'm going to try to, uh, and this is a good one from, from our boy, Ben Eby, the Twitter waves, AKA the Twitter riptide. And, and it's true. I, I, you know, there were a couple times last year that I got pulled right under because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't careful where I was stepping. So uh, I'm, this year I'm trying to, you know, I want that information, as we said earlier, you know, I want all points of view and I want to gather as much as I can, but I also want to make sure that I don't just kind of follow blindly down, uh, down a path there. So uh, Mr. Clinic Fantasy, I hope, I hope that helped you out. I hope you're doing some things to change up as well, because, you know, especially in dynasty, you got to evolve every year. You got to figure out what worked for you, what didn't work for you, keep the good things, try to improve on the things that weren't so good so that you can become better every year. So I like this question because it's something that we should all be doing. Cause even if you've won a championship in every league that you're in the next year, everybody's gunning for you. Everybody's gunning for that title and they're, they're making improvements. They're making changes and you have to as well. So this last one here is from Edward at FSN Edward. What are you doing in this scenario? Owner sends trade. You accept trade. Owner gets buyer's remorse and decides not to pay future entry fee for trading 2024 first. And by not trading, the trade they offered and you accepted now gets reversed. So the three options they got here, uh, he says, are you leaving the league? Are you staying in the league and doing nothing? Or should the non-paying owner get booted? So this is an interesting one because I only commission one league. Bill commissions a lot more leagues than that. And I think we both have the rule in our bylaws. By the way, bylaws are important. Yeah, I don't know if this league has one, but if it doesn't, you can get wrapped up in situations like this. But in my in my bylaws, I say if you make a trade with future picks, you have 24 hours to pay that year's entry fee, and if you don't, it'll be reversed. Um, I've never had to reverse for that reason, but I also kind of have a plan of you know I'm going to talk to the guy that didn't pay and say hey, if you can't pay, I get it. You know I'm I'm not managing anyone else's money but my own. But you can't make you can't make that trade. Then try to figure out something else because if it happens again, I would personally let that owner go because it is unfair that you you agree to a trade. You know, hopefully there's a bylaw. You know that principle is in place. And if you're making the trade knowing you can't pay within whatever time frame it is, I mean you're kind of dealing in bad faith. So um, me personally, I would give that owner one warning, kind of let them know, hey, man, next time, just if you don't have the money right away, just don't make the trade. And if he does it again, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to have to let you go. You know, good luck. Hope you win championships and all your other leagues. But, um, you know, I can't do it. Um, Bill, you're kind of you're kind of uh, the commission extraordinaire on this show. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so it looks like this was just to get back out of a um, trade, right? So it, it it if that was the intention, then that's like, um, you know, I mean, in my bylaws, I have things where you know I misclicked or or whatever. Like within fifteen minutes of an yeah. accepted trade, you have the option to essentially back out if you say I didn't mean to accept it, you know, and and so 
this is an interesting one, right? Because this is like a second get out of jail free card in a way, because you can just say, hey, I'm not going to pay it. So I think that that's like, you're becoming an ass to the league, right? Because by making that decision, so you're, you're kind of messing with the whole league dynamic in that situation. So I don't know. I think, I think your process is right. Like, I think you just have to warn the guy and say, you know, dude, if you, you know, you have no other op- opportunities. This was your one, you know, right. I'm, I'm effing with this rule. Um, you probably, you know, with this being said that I think that there's something I need to do with my bylaws cause I don't address that. So, um, I think that that's something that I do need to consider. Fortunately, you know, I don't think that most of my leagues have people in it that would do that. So that's a positive thing. And if it was a financial issue, they could come out and just say, Hey man, I, this is for 2024. You know, I don't have the money on me right now, but you know, I should be able to pay you by the end of July. That's fine. You know, like as long as there's conversation being had, but this is obviously just to get out of it. So like this, that's where I'm not leaving a league for that, but I would definitely want, if I wasn't the, um, the commissioner, I would definitely want that addressed and I would want the the league to be aware of it. And I would want, you know, everything. Cause that's, that's bullshit in my opinion of somebody doing that. So what about you, Matt? What do you think about this one? So this goes, I'm going to, I'm presenting a different couple different directions here as a commissioner, like Bill said, your bylaws are important. If it's not in the bylaws, you've pretty much handcuffed yourself as a league and as the commissioner right off the get go. So shame on you. You know what I mean? Two. So if that's the case where it's not in the bylaws, it's like, okay, you know what guys, this one's on me as a commissioner. I will allow the reversal, even though I don't like it. Here's the deal. It's going into the bylaws right now. There's your one warning to the entire league, kind of a gunshot kind of thing. Hey, this is the deal. Two, if I'm the owner that had the trade reversed on me, I am a petty son of a biscuit. I'll tell you what. And I'll tell is it good for my team to totally exclude another owner from trading? Absolutely. It's a bad decision to do that, but I'm going to do it based on principle because I'm bitter and I'm going to make a stink. I'm going to kick rocks. I'm going to make sure my voice is heard. I'm going to go. I'm going to be like that referee that's like a, a coach that's complaining to the referees about not getting the penalty calls. And I'm going to for I'm going to be miserable. This and that within reason. I'm not going to be a total jerk, but you're going to you're going to know that I'm not okay with this trade being reversed because it's poor ethics as far as fantasy football goes. And then the owner, you know, can it be a misclick? Yeah, it could be a misclick. But here's the thing: you're talking 2024 here. So I would like to know, has this owner already paid for 2021, 2022? Has he traded picks already leading up to this? Has he traded a pick for 2023 and paid up to 2023 and now refused to pay for 2024 because he's traded a pick? That kind of changes the whole dynamic. If he's already traded picks for 2023 and he knows the rule and he's already paid up for that and then he's like 2024, then, Bill, you're right. He's trying to get out of it. He's trying to pull whatever string he can be like, Oh no, no, no. I just, uh, I was drunk or, you know, I was just coming out of surgery. By the way, I've made trades coming right out of surgery while it's still on like the table. I wouldn't recommend that. I, I traded during the playoffs a few years ago. I want to say probably eight years ago, I traded Larry Fitzgerald to another guy for like Frank Gore. So I can't remember what the trade was, but I was literally just coming off the operating table and in recovery when I made the deal and they wouldn't reverse it. 
I'm just putting it that way. The commissioner <laughs> would. I'm like, dude, I just came out of surgery. I don't even know what I did. He goes, sorry, you made the trade. I said, all right, fair enough. I guess you're right. I made the trade. That's so, amazing. For me, if I'm the guy who clicked, it's like, you know what? Shame on me. If I'm the owner, I'm probably not asking for the trade back because I'm the idiot who, who accepted it. I'm the one who put the 2024 in there. You know, and maybe you need that commissioner. One of the biggest commissioners that we know and I absolutely love is John Bosch. He's a no-nonsense type commissioner. I'll tell you what, if you trade a 2024 pick, John Bosch is not rescinding that trade. It's going through one way or the other. And if you haven't paid for 2024, you're gone right there on the spot. He'll replace you right there. And I got no problem with that. But like I said, it has to be in the bylaws. It's on the commissioner to make sure it's in the bylaws. And if it's not in the bylaws and this happens, you know what? Shame on you, but you're gonna you need to rectify that right away before it happens again. Yeah, and we talk we talk about that. We talk about that on this show all the time. If you're starting a league, if you decide you're going to be the commissioner of the league and start a league and bring friends, family, Twitter people, whatever together, have bylaws. And, it, and you know, we talk about John Bosch, and John Bosch has so many cool different leagues. And some of his bylaws are, are books because there's so many different things going on. But if you're just kind of running your, your standard, you know, super flex, PPR, maybe a point and a half tight end premium, probably just need a page and a half, maybe two pages of just some general stuff, you know, just to let people know, like, hey, this is what we're going to do in these situations. And by the way, if you're if you want to start a league and you're like, oh man, bylaws are a good idea, but I don't know what to put in them, hit us up, hit up hundreds of other people. The pit Twitter is so cool about that. It's like, hey, like, can someone just send me a copy of their bylaws? I'm trying to come up with my own and don't know where to start. People will just shoot you, you know, the Word doc, the Google doc, whatever it is, and just say, hey man, here, here's what I use. Uh do with it what you will, change it how you need to change it and, and make it work for you. But um, that's important. And if you're entering a league, one of the first things I ask for is, hey, can I see a copy of the bylaws? You know, I want to make sure that, you know, I didn't see your post on Twitter where it says, you know, the league buy-in is $35, but in your bylaws, it says $135. Well, was it a Twitter misprint or was it a misprint in your bylaws? You know. Because I would more think that it was a misprint on Twitter and that could change my mind just first paragraph. It could change my mind like, hey, I don't want to spend that much money on a league. Um, but, you know, all your stuff should go in there. It's super important joining a league. Uh, Bill has great bylaws. And I just know that because I'm in leagues with him. So I've seen his bylaws. Um, they're they're not long, but they cover all the, all the points, you know, Hey, how much is this going to cost? What's the roster supposed to look like? How can trades go down this, you know, it's well spelt out and you understand what you're getting yourself into and, and how Bill and I had a conversation. I'm in a league of his that he commissions and I didn't fully read the bylaws and I didn't even realize that uh, he ranked on potential points and I made a trade completely, not, you know, not that I didn't know it. I just didn't read it when he sent me the bylaws. And I said, oh, man, I didn't even know this. And Bill was like, eh. and I was like, listen, man, I'm not mad at you because that's my fault at the end of the day. Like, I didn't fully read it. I, I just wanted to let you know that I made this trade fully, not even knowing that uh, we were uh, ranking the non-playoff teams by potential points. And we had a laugh about it, you know, and that's another thing. Don't 
if you mess something up, you misread the bylaws or don't start yelling at your commissioner. Like, don't do that. That's not cool. Like you made the mistake. Just do what I did. Laugh it off. Be like, yeah, it was my mistake. Whatever you live, you learn and you move on. Accountability. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, um, yeah. So I don't know if there are bylaws in this situation. I really don't, but, um, I hope there is. And I hope that if you're in this league and there aren't bylaws, maybe you do need to leave just because, you know, you kind of want that, you know, now obviously it's different if this is a family league or if this is a bunch of college buddies or whatever, you know, might be a little bit different, but if this is just kind of, you know, maybe a bunch of people from Twitter or maybe, you know, Reddit or wherever else, you know, Facebook, you found a league. Maybe just, you know, trust me, there are thousands of other leagues. <laughs> we, you know, uh, Bill plays in 20-ish leagues. Um, I play in about 10-ish leagues. Matt, you probably play in a bunch of leagues. I mean... Combined, we probably, I would say, have, you know, what, 50-ish leagues, maybe more than that, higher, <laughs> maybe 100-ish leagues between the three yeah. of us. Last so, year, I was in 42. Okay, so we're we're right about at the 100 mark. So, you know, look, there's a ton of leagues. Go on Twitter. Tw- I love Twitter because in Twitter, you can literally say, hey, looking for a league. And I see people every day. I'm thinking about starting a startup. I'm thinking about starting a league. So literally every day you can just go on. And if you tag me and say, hey, looking for a league, I'll retweet it and put it out there. And just, you know, even when people say they're looking for um, players to take over orphans, I retweet them, even if, whether I know them or not, because I'm like, maybe somebody I know want, is looking for an orphan. So it's... uh it's pretty easy to find another league if this league isn't, you know, isn't because it should be fun at the end of the day. Like I, I like going over these questions because I like going over the, you know, behind the scenes of, of playing in fantasy leagues and dynasty leagues, but it should be fun at the end of the day. And if you're dealing with people not paying people, not following the rules, it doesn't make it fun anymore. And why are you there? <laughs> like, I have a lot of things in my life that aren't fun that I have to do. <laughs> this is a this is fun for me. This is supposed to be entertainment. So why would I not uh, treat it as such? And I love Lindsay here. Uh, she says I still have bylaws for my friends only. So exactly, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be in a high stakes analyst only league to to have bylaws. Every Every league should have bylaws, even if, it, you know, like Lindsay said, it's her friends, your college buddies, your Oh, uh, my co-worker. friends need bylaws. If anyone's going to find a way to expose the rules, <laughs> it's my friends. So, yeah, you got to have those. That's going to be concrete. You have to, I have to, like, take my bylaws for my leagues and my home for my friends, and I got to take them to, like, a lawyer's office so they can go through. Because, you know what? What's that old Bill Gates saying? Um, don't give me a hard worker. Give me someone who's lazy to do the job because he will find the easy way around it. Mm-hmm. And you, my buddies, they will find the easiest <laughs> way around the rules every single time. So those bylaws have to be black and white. Well, well, Matt, I will, I will volunteer my services. I am not a lawyer, but I deal with contracts all day. It's part of my job. So if you ever want to shoot them my way and make sure that people can't exploit them, it's pretty much what I do for a living. So 
I will. And I'm I will lazy, so I'm more than happy to find the uh, loopholes. <laughs> so we got the. Uh, maybe we have a bylaw um, uh, review uh, service. We can start. There you go. We should do. We should start that. We. Should... Hey, that so sounds you... awful. <laughs> I mean, I do. I mean, it's pretty much what my job entails. So to me, it would just be like my doing my job. Um, but yeah, I, I think both you guys brought up some real good points. Edward, I hope this helps out. Um, you know, it sucks that you're in this situation, but hopefully we gave you some good information and we can, um, you know, help you along in the, either the future of this league or, uh, the future of some of the other leagues that, uh, you become a part of. So. That that wraps it up. That's everything that we had on the show sheet. I think we nailed it. I think uh, I think we I think we did a good job. So um, I want to start by thanking Matt for coming on, dude. Um, I have been watching your stuff for a while now on Vipers and Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, I've been a big fan of yours, so I'm glad that we were uh, able to get you on. Please tell everybody where they can find you, what you're doing, and what you're up to. Well, like we said before the show, I said the first thing is when you're on Twitter, um, make sure that your actions are good or bad because someone someone's always watching. Um, it's that season right now. Everyone's watching you. It should be no different than when you're with your kids and stuff. You know what I mean? Your kids are always watching, even when you think they're not. Well, in fantasy football and Twitter in this community, someone's always watching you, which brings me to my next point. Uh, the ViperCast is now powered by Fantasy Points Media Guide. So, uh, our media group, sorry. So, we're all together now. I've joined uh, the ViperCast, has joined that group of great uh, Fantasy Points, True North Fantasy Football Pod, The Smoke Show. Uh, DHH is in there, uh, P2Dub, he's in there, Nick. So it's a huge group of guys. And you know what? Probably more important than anything, they're all good people. So well, I should just tell you enough right there. Be a good person, uh, when, especially on those Twitter streets, because sometimes it can get pretty interesting out there. Uh, two, like I said, you catch us on the ViperCast over on YouTube, over on Anchor, and any other kind of platform usually that you can go out there. I haven't figured out how to move it in there, but it's all there. You can find it easy enough. Use the Google. That's what I do for whenever I got an injury or have a cough. I use the Google. Uh, I've died eight times in the last two years, so that's fantastic. Um, DynastyVipers.com. Check that out. That's where you find the written content. Uh, the team has continued to grow over there. Like Josh said, we've uh, leaps and bounds in this last year. Actually, since January, you know what? Uh, I got to give a shout-out to my boys there, Steven and Bob. Um the graphics that these guys do for the show, for the website, for the um for the podcast, man. Good graphics make the show. You know what I mean? It gives it that professional look. Uh if you want to be taken seriously and stuff like that, have that professional kind of look going for you. Surround yourself with good people that can do great things, and that's what we have over at the Vipers. And then uh head over to idpguys.org if you get an opportunity because we've got um I've, I was just finishing up our rookie draft guide, offense, IDP, you name it. We got it out there. You can go and uh, bundle that package up and uh, see how bad my rookie scouting is. So check that out. And you know what? If you think it's not great or you think it's fantastic, hit me up. Let's talk about it. And uh, like I said, I love my process. I think my process is pretty good, but it's not perfect. So let's talk. Let's chat. Let's have a little conversation. Let's kick it off. Actually, actually, Matt. Now that you brought up a conversation, I, you know, you talking about 
uh, scouting rookies. There, there's a rookie that that Bill and I have uh, disagreed on on this show, so I, I want to get oh your God. opinion on it. What, what do you think about Trey Sermon? I think Trey Sermon is in the perfect place for Trey Sermon. I don't think Trey Sermon – man, I'm talking like every time here. I don't think he is a bell cow back. I think he is a fantastic running back. I think him with the – here's what they did. I think they basically replaced Raheem Mostert and Jeffrey Wilson with Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. It's almost like a perfect substitution because Sermon – we watched him at both Oklahoma and Ohio State never fully get that number one role, but a very solid 1A, 1B type running back. Same as Elijah Mitchell, 1A, 1B with Trey Regis in Louisiana there. You put them back together, guess what? You've got 1A and 1B. I think they're both going to be able like, oh, I don't know. Let's just kind of bring this full circle. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. There you go. So I don't know. I don't know if uh... – Bill, Bill Let's and not I get have, into this, please. Bill, Bill and I have a wager. Um, oh my goodness! On Trey Sermon, and that's actually not a wager because if Bill is right, I, I pay the consequence. But if Bill is wrong, there's no consequence paid. No, it, it has nothing is, to do with me. Which is fine. Which is fine. It's you know I did, I never I will never complain about that because that's the way I wanted it to be. But Bill. Bill believes that Trey Sermon could get to 1,300 yards in his Put words in my season. mouth. We go through this every time. I did not say that. I You just kept saying how horrible he was, and I said, because you said that, watch him get to 1,300 yards. That's and, all I said. And that's what we made the bet on, so you got to feel confident about it. That's what you said it. will not. And, and by the way, I never said Trey Sermon was horrible. I said it's horrible – process to take them at like in the first round of your rookie drafts that's all i said and that's fine i i mean i'm still confident that he will not have 1300 total yards in his rookie season but that's uh that's a guy that that bill and i have have talked about extensively so um i want i just wanted to get not your, by choice i just wanted to get your unbiased opinion on on Trey Sermon. And I actually, I think it's pretty cool um, the way you kind of put Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell into the Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson roles. I never even thought about it like that. So was, I'm actually glad I asked you because like we talked about earlier, which is another piece of information to kind of bring into, you know, your thought process. And I never even thought about it like that. So I appreciate yeah. that. And my, my thought process is I, I just find like a piece of paper. I get it kind of wet. I chuck it on the wall. And if it sticks, <laughs> that, that's, the, that's what we're going with that day. So uh, I'm glad that worked. It's That made it to the magazine, something similar to that. So we're good to go. Look at that, man. So see, obviously, um, follow, you know, follow Matt at Matt Donnelly FF on Twitter, but also follow Dynasty Vipers on YouTube. Uh, I'm a subscriber because I love all their stuff. Um, follow, uh, go to dynastyvipers.com, uh, go there too. I mean, pretty much anything, uh, Matt and his entire crew. I mean, he brought up some of his graphic guys like Bob, who, um, I've had the chance to, uh, listen to and talk with on clubhouse before good dude and really good at what he does in, on the graphic side. And I mean, you got so many 
smart fantasy people over there. You got uh, you got Terror over there. You got Major over there. I mean, every time I watch you guys, there's you know just a bunch of smart people on the screen. So you're never uh, never lacking in the information department. Well, and like I said, you want to make sure you surround yourself with good people um, that are going to actually challenge you from time to time too. You you want that, and uh, I love Calvin challenges me all the time. Another one of our co-hosts on there. We don't agree on a lot of our takes, and it's fantastic to have that because I think it's horrible if everyone agrees on everything. And then Taryn Major, man, they're they're some risers. They are some serious risers in this industry. You're going to want to get a make sure you're following them. It's Terra time. And way too major. You want to make sure you get those guys there because I'm telling you what, they're special people, man. They're special. Yeah, and I, I love that you said about the disagreements because Bill and I always say, like, some of the best stuff we do on this show is when we disagree with each other. Like, and it's, you know, after the show, we laugh, we joke. There, You know, sometimes people take it way too personally. Uh, Bill and I are not those people. But we love we love that back and forth because it just shows that, Hey, listen, you can look at a player or a situation or whatever in two totally different ways. And it doesn't mean one person is right. And one person is wrong. You know, it just means that you have based on the information that you have and what you're seeing with your eyes, you look at it this way. He looks at it another way. And Bill and I always say that some of our best stuff on this show is when we don't agree with each other. So I love that. So uh, something else I love is everybody in the chat. Obviously, we're on YouTube every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Just look up Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. If you're not subscribing, please subscribe because not only will you get this, uh, the junkies are starting to do, the Dynasty junkies are starting to do live shows. Uh, on Monday, the entire DAP network was on Trade Addicts. That was live to everyone. You'll get that stuff. Outhouse is doing some stuff on his own with the live stuff. You'll get that as well. So if you subscribe, you're definitely not just getting us. You're getting a lot of stuff, which is really cool. But, you know, we had, we had Ben Eby, who former guest who came on to say hi, Steve Dennis, Lindsey Kennedy, just so many fun people. We had um, we had Zach Reed, Tacit Assassin, also former guest who came on to uh, make fun of Bill for forgetting Calvin Ridley's name. Um, but just thank you because you guys make, you guys make it fun. You guys, you know, you put some funny stuff in there. You ask some good questions, so we love that. Uh, if you're not following us on YouTube, do that. If you're listening to us in podcast form, thank you again. Hour and fifteen minutes we're coaching up on and. You could be doing anything else, work, mow the lawn, whatever. You could be doing anything but this. So the fact that you're listening is appreciated. Just remember, hopefully you subscribed. Uh, if you just randomly found us, please subscribe now and do that. Uh, leave a rate and review. That helps us get noticed by all the podcast directories. And Bill and I love to read those things. So on that note, Bill, we are out of here. Late. Late.